0: My name is Ron Toller. welcome to Brothers and Sisters Like These, a series of stories presented by warriors of all ages representing men and women alike who share images of war in their recollections. Brothers and Sisters Like These is a veterans writing group featuring members who share stories and poems with each other and the public around our state as part of their healing. This group is part of the North Carolina Veterans Writing Alliance Foundation. Each of these groups has the goal of supporting veterans as they heal from their war experience. There is a house
1: in New Orleans. Hello, my name is Eva Helton. My husband is a Vietnam veteran. His name is Staff Sergeant Levi Eugene Helton, retired. I did not know him when he was in Vietnam. I met him afterwards. He is a hundred percent disabled with diabetes and Parkinson's with dementia from Agent Orange. I had the wonderful opportunity. Um, to be able to sit in with some Viet- a group of Vietnam riders at the Hickory Seabock um, with Dr. Batanti and some other Vietnam veterans. I was urged to do this by a Vietnam veteran friend uh, in place of my husband. It was a very rewarding and eye-opening experience. Um, to be able to hear these other veterans tell their stories. And it gave me an insight to what my own husband had experienced. Um, These men were just boys when they went to Vietnam. And what they went through, I knew of some of it, but never all of it. And I never knew what my husband had actually experienced because he had never talked about a whole lot of it. I had heard him tell some things and I had heard him tell stories with other Vietnam veterans. And I really enjoyed um, and came to know a lot of what these other men told They told stories, they laughed, they cried, and it was a very healing experience for them. Um, As a registered nurse myself, I saw the healing that it gave them for their PTSD because that's what this experience is supposed to accomplish for them. Dr. Batanti is a very wonderful person. He's very receiving, very giving, and um, I fell in love with what he was able to do for these people. Um, And the first um, story I'm going to read for you um, was not one of the stories we were supposed to tell. Each week we met, and Dr. Patanti would um, read a story as an example, and he would give the topic you were supposed to write, and this week, we were supposed to write about food. Um, but I had never really heard my husband speak about the food he ate when he was in Vietnam, except The fact that he ate in the mess hall because they were told not to eat any of the food um, given by the people in Vietnam because they could uh, perhaps get a disease. Um, But the story I had on my heart that week was something that I had discussed with another Vietnam veteran and Dr. Batanti that as we left and that veteran had on a hat that said age of orange with some crossbones on it. And all the week I had carried um, age of orange in my heart because of how it had affected myself and my husband. Um, so I wrote about age of orange and it came out as this age of orange, skull and crossbones, actually put poison. Johnson made it hush hush. Thought he wouldn't get caught. It got in our DNA, caused problems in our kids for generations. Learning disabilities, heart defects, diabetes, spina bifida, cleft lips and palates, other defects too hard to mention. Miscarriages in our wives, heartbreaks, then later in us, Cancers, pancreatic, prostate, skin, leukemia, Parkinson's, diabetes, you name it, late casualties, poison, we're dying a bit, many before the VA recognizes or compensates it, all because Johnson hush-hushed it. I dedicate this reading to all those who have been are and will be affected by all the toxic agencies caused by the military. Another reading that we were um, directed to write about was coming home. And I wrote, back in the USA, the plane touches down. I'm finally back. Back in the USA, home, first stop, San Francisco. The Golden Gate. It's beautiful. What is this? Rotten tomatoes? Rotten apples? Why are they hitting me? Why are they jeering me? I'm a hero. I fought a war for them. I have a medal. I'm still alive. Aren't they proud of me? Oh, I know. Jane Fonda, she skewed their thinking. Another story I wrote about my husband was not a topic that we were given during the Vietnam Riders, but it tells a lot about my husband. It's called The Purple Heart. One day, I was driving down the highway, one, back to my base in Fuloy. I had delivered a load of ammunition to Zion. All of a sudden, I heard something go flop in the back of my truck. I looked around to see what it was. When I saw that a grenade had landed there, I jumped out of my truck and I flung myself flat on the ground and covered my head. My truck went rolling on down the road a little way and exploded. The explosion would have been much more powerful if it had still been loaded with the ammunition. I was glad I wasn't caught a small piece of metal between the index and second fingers on my right hand, which had to be treated with first aid. To this day, I still carry a small scar to remind me of that incident and how lucky I was to escape it with such a small injury. Later, my commander came to present me with a purple heart for that injury. I could not believe it. I told him that I could not accept that, that medal for honor for such a small injury. I told him that he should give it to someone who really deserved it. Sometime later, I was astonished to find out that the commander gave that Purple Heart to himself for a paper cut he got in his office. But then again, maybe his wounds ran deeper than any of us ever knew. He had been in charge of many soldiers lost in the line of duty. My husband didn't earn a medal. It was... the Bronze Star, and I do not have a story for that because he's told different stories about how he earned that Bronze Star, and I don't really know the true story. Another topic we were directed to write about was a letter I couldn't send home. Needing to write a letter to my mom To tell her I got to Vietnam okay, I got started. Dear Mama, to California, Joe Abernathy was there to see me off. How about that? He heard I was leaving for Vietnam and came to base that I was stationed out there and tell me bye. Wasn't that nice of him? Then my group went to Alaska. Boy, was it cold there? I couldn't go any further. How could I tell my mama that when I went to Vietnam I thought I had died and gone to hell? You see, we were wearing khakis when we landed. it was It was so hot. We had come from cold Alaska, where I was as cold as I had ever been, to Vietnam, where I was the hottest that I had ever been. It was dark. And a firefight was going on. The guns and tracers were firing and the ground was glowing red. And the officers were telling us to run for our bunkers. Pandemonium was all around. And there were all these little people running around in black pajamas and pointed hats. I was sure that I had died and gone to hell. How could I tell my mama about that? And that was just the beginning. Another day, we were supposed to write about the souvenirs brought home. And I, when my husband would take me to his parents' house, a number of times he would bring out this old brown suitcase and show me the pictures and things he brought back from Vietnam. So I wrote this. I wrote this about the souvenirs he brought home, and it's called The Suitcase. Suitcase, brown, hard on both sides, went to Vietnam, came back with me. Inside, my treasures, pictures, pictures of my buddies, bunkers, rice paddies, me and my 5 ton mama son, big red one patch, metal, bronze stars, memories, some good, some I'd rather forget. Souvenirs, a pink kimono. I saved it then. Later, I gave it to my wife. My mama, she hated it. She said it smelled like Vietnam. How could she know? And that is. How I was able to transfer the stories of my husband as a Vietnam veteran. And I hope you were able to understand some of what he went through from what I was able to tell. And I hope you can appreciate that. Have a good day. Hard times coming home now.
0: Can't get your feet on the ground Not some issues and no one wants you around Barely sleeping and you can't get through To the VA on the phone No one's hiring and no one wants to give you a loan And everyone else is carrying on Just like they've always done before You've been home for a couple of years now, buddy, but you're still fighting the war.
1: Thank you to the Paul Green Foundation and the North Carolina Veterans Writing Alliance Foundation for their generous funding for the Brothers and Sisters Like These podcasts.
0: Hi, um, my name is Tamara Aguilera, and I am um, a licensed clinical social worker with the Department of Veterans Affairs. And this is how I got um, involved with the group Brothers Like These by working with the VA. And I happened to be one of the clinicians that was working with the Vietnam uh, wartime veterans and wanted to gain some more insight. And so I decided to participate in the Vietnam Veterans uh, Conference that they had in Durham and was enlightened um, about their struggles and some of the things that they experienced while they were there, which helped what I brought back and allowed me to help, um, them in their therapeutic journey to make sense of some of the experiences that they went through. And not only that, I'm too, I'm also, um, an army veteran and I served in the Persian Gulf War. So as we started the, um, Vietnam veterans writing group here in Hickory, um, Dr. Byant and M noticed that I was a veteran, so they asked me to start writing from my experience from the Persian Gulf War that I served in and today, I'm going to share two of the stories that I had written while I was participating in that group, and the first ones that I'm going to start with is the things that I carried and um it starts as this: the most bothersome and most needed thing I carried was the m sixteen that made me do more push-ups that I care to remember. I was alleviated of this eight pound weight the day I flipped on a South South Sergeant Woolridge, who like others, touched me without my express consent. My response to his actions resulted in me locking and loading on him, uh, set my weapon to fire on automatic in the company area. Needless to say, that was the last time I saw that thing. Despite being eight pounds lighter, My load was still heavy. The three-day bug-out bag, which was required of all of us, had three MREs and three bottles of water that became an extension of my uniform to be with me wherever I went. I couldn't forget to mention the BDUs and sometimes Mach 4 gear we had to wear despite the 120-degree weather. I can still feel the heaviness of that dang steel pot I had to carry on top of my head. It got so heavy with heat on the inside that one day I thought my brains had caught on fire and I was frying. Everyone in the line at the PX seen me show my butt again as I yelled, F this, S-H-I-T, and poured all three bottles of my water and my bug out bag over my head to stop the cooking process that was taking place on the inside of me. In my cargo pockets, I carried my pocket-sized New Testament Bible and my Walkman cassette player. Never left my tent without them. That Bible and Bob Marley saved me many a times as they reminded me to don't worry about a thing because every little thing was going to be all right. Across the street in the other pocket, excuse me, across the street in the other pocket, I carried my favorite Heinz 57 Steak Sauce. Even though I was robbed, Because it cost so much, I had to pay $7 for that stuff over there in Saudi Arabia. It still went well, even with the worst meals our child hall and Saudi Arabia um, encampments had to offer. I used to carry pictures of my kids and family around until that load just became too heavy to bear. I had to tuck them away in a box. I also carried my friends' constant fear around with me every day. It is hard always wondering if today is going to be my last day amongst the living. The most popular greeting we offered to our peers while we were in the desert was, it's a great day to die as we smiled to one another. My heart carried the worry of being in charge of those 18 and 19-year-old females who looked for me to answers just because I was drafted into the dang position of being their squad leader and sergeant of quarters. I also carried the resentment for my commander-in-chief, President Bush, who was in the White House chilling with his family in all the comforts of his home, while we sit here in this godforsaken place praying against dying from the heat, bullets, or the Scud missiles that they sent out frequently. I carried the animosity, the hate, and disrespect that country they sent me to had for women. I carried the thoughts I had of my Uncle David, my Uncle Atlas, and my Uncle Bruce who served in the Vietnam War, wondering which hell was the worst, mine here, as I served in the desert, or theirs that they faced in the jungle. At this point, it really doesn't matter because they both sucked. The most important thing I carried was my face that came from two praying grandmothers that I never had the opportunity to meet. The trust they had in the one who could keep, protect, and bring me back safely played off. Bucks ago because he did just that, and that's the end of the first one. And the next reading is the *Ars Poetica*, and it starts as this: Because I was born with dark skin in the '60s when dark skin was taboo. Because I learned hate was born due to the color of one's skin. Because my grand because my grandmother shot and killed my grandfather due to his inability to manage his own PTSD. Because my other grandmother died on her knees at the altar praying to a God we still believe in. Because I never experienced the love of a grandmother, gone too soon. Because I come from a family that gave me the word party, that gave the word party its name. Because I, I social learning, the social learning taught me how to embrace and love that lifestyle too. Because bad habits travel through generations. Yeah, that whole generational curse thing. Because I wanted something different than the dysfunction in my home had to offer. Because my Mr. Right turned out to be my Mr. Dad, gum wrong. Because life can often be hard. Because there are no signs of civilization. No grass. No trees. No streets. No houses. Nope. Nothing but that hot sand, as far as your eye can see. Because it was just too hot over there. Because their storms had no rain. Just sand that had rocks that also caused pain when it hit against your skin. Because despite the pain, I decided to live this broken life. Because they didn't choose life, I chose it for them. Because they needed me. Because of that need, I had to learn to love and accept our parts of me. Because now I care. Because now I choose to make a difference for someone else other than myself. Because living is important. So therefore, everyone's life matters. And as I was in, participating in that group, I also being a moderator, I learned the importance of allowing veterans the opportunity to share their stories. Because in sharing those stories comes freedom. So if you ever have the opportunity to just listen to what one of these Vietnam veterans or these brothers and sisters that's in these bands, the band of brothers and sisters like these, take the time and listen because it's important because you're learning also a part of history, but you're also being part of the healing process that so many of these veterans need and that have been long overdue.